Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information, go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. So, hey, we're kicking off our week of prayer and fasting today. This is something we do as a church family twice a year. And uh, so that means that we're going to be coming together several times this week. Let me go ahead and give you those times. Monday through Friday, we'll be here from 6.30 to 7.30. We will end on time so you can get out the door and head off to work. But I do want to make sure you understand you don't have to show up on time or stay to the end if your schedule doesn't allow. It's not like Sunday morning where everybody's staring at you if you leave early. We've got people who come and go. So if you think, wait a minute, I can't make the whole hour, I guess I'll skip it. That's the wrong thought. You are welcome to join us for as much of that hour as possible. Then you get to sleep in on Saturday, 9 a.m. on Saturday. And then the the one I really want to highlight, we experimented with this uh, just a little over a year ago, and it's become the favorite time that we get together. It is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We're going to come together as a family. Nobody's going to preach We're just going to worship, we're going to pray, we're going to lay hands on sick people. It's just going to be exciting and fun, at least it seems to be to us. So hey, I'd love to have you guys join us. It usually packs the house, so come early uh, if you want a seat, and that's fun. Um, And so here's what happens every time we do this. We do it twice a year, like I said. Here's the reason. There are two times kind of in our own American human calendar, so there's nothing spiritual really about when we do it, but we've just noticed for us that every January we're doing New Year's resolutions, we're kind of trying to start a whole new year, trying to get off on a new path, all that kind of good stuff. And so every January we do a week of prayer and fasting. But we also have learned that's not the only time. And in particular, I'm one of those people that that grew up going to school, then went to college, then became a school teacher. So, you know, my, my clock kind of resets every August for some reason, kind of like everything just starts over. And for many of you, it still does, even if you're not in school. You've got children who are graduating. You've got people who are going up a, a year in their, their grade. You've got military seems to get moved every June-ish. And so new people are just getting settled. So August is a really good time for us to say, hey, let's reboot. Let's get a spiritual refreshing. Not to mention summer is dry and hot. And so by the end of summer, we're usually spiritually dry and in that place. So that's why we do this twice a year. And as we do it, people come and ask me so many questions. They're always like, Jimmy, what about this? And what about that? And can you do this? And can you do that? And so many questions. What is a fast? Why do we fast? How do you fast? And maybe you're in that place. You're one of those people who's wondering, you know, what about this? What about that? I don't know if I'm going to fast. I've got too many questions. I don't know what this all means. What does this look like? So what we want to do today is something that honestly is probably a little overdue, and that is to just answer the questions we've been collecting for over a year, all the questions you guys keep asking. So if you'll help me welcome our worship pastor, Brett Floyd. Brett is going to be you today. He's going to ask me everything you've been asking me, and we're all going to get the answers together at one time. Sound good? All right, here we go. Brett, take it away, man. All right, first question. Is fasting food unhealthy? No. Okay. And here's the reason. Just kidding. Okay, it is not unhealthy because God made us and God told us to fast. So the idea that fasting is unhealthy is a myth. Man, I missed my cue there. Did you see that? All right, so uh, what about fasting if you have medications that require food or if you're pregnant or have a really physically strenuous job? 
So this question really kind of explains why some people think health, uh, fasting is unhealthy. Uh, so here's my answer to you. First of all, ask God and be wise. You should be wise. There is wisdom and there is foolishness. It's all throughout Scripture, and you can apply that here as well. The second thing is I would ask you or encourage you to talk to your doctor and preferably a Christian doctor because if it's not a Christian doctor, they may not want you to engage in a spiritual practice that draws you closer to God, and they could hypothetically use their opinion, professional opinion, to help talk you out of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a part of being in a world where some people love God and some people don't. Lawyers who are not Christians do that. Teachers who are not Christians do that. So don't be surprised if doctors who are not Christians would do the same. So if you really want to engage in this spiritual practice, it'd be good if you had a Christian doctor who would help you think through that. The second thing I'm going to say is uh, if your medications require food, they usually don't require a full buffet. <laughs> so during the week of prayer and fasting, you may adjust your portion size to what is minimally necessary for you to uh, be medically healthy with the medications you're on. So what are varieties of ways to fast? So again, just about what we were just talking about, uh, you can adjust what you're doing in more than one way. So, you know, the first thing we think of is no food at all. Uh, and that may mean to you only water. You can do no food at all, but then have different liquids, maybe uh, broth. Some people will do a, a broth because there's some protein in a chicken broth or something. You may do a protein shake in place of every meal or in place of one meal or once a day, whatever you feel God is leading you to do. Uh, you may leave out certain types of foods. You may decide, I I'm not going to eat meat this time, or I'm not going to eat sugars, or I'm not going to eat uh, other things that are maybe uh, been bothering you or, or God's been putting on your heart. You may skip breakfast and lunch and eat dinner. You may skip dinner and eat breakfast. Uh, there are a myriad of ways we can do this. Again, you could limit a portion size. You could do the example that Daniel gives us in Scripture of going for a season of eating only water and vegetables and proving that God can sustain you better than what the world has to offer. That's what Daniel did. You can also remove other things from your, your diet. You can remove social media, Facebook, TV, uh, radio while you're driving in the car so you have time to pray and think about God. There are so many other things that are in our lives that we could remove. And, you know, I don't mention this one often, but I, I feel like today it would be good to mention it so maybe somebody here this applies to you. But sometimes you need to fast relationships. And if you're married, you don't count. For those of you that are looking for an easy way out this week, no, 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 no. You're married, get over it. Okay, but those of you that are maybe dating and you've been wondering, is this the right person for me? For those of you uh, that have been in a relationship, maybe it's a friendship and your parents are saying, I don't think this person is good in your life. Uh, maybe your spouse is saying, I don't think this friend is good in your life. Maybe this is where you set that friendship aside for a week and you just no contact, no uh, dates, no whatever. And, and so you get some separation to allow God to speak. So there are also non-food things that you can fast. And uh, we could just, we could spend the next 30 minutes really just coming up with all the varieties. So I would encourage you to talk with your spiritual mentor, whoever is discipling you and speaks into your life. You should all have a person like that, and they can help you with this. Is fasting for modern-day Christians? So if you are like me, maybe you grew up uh, around here. I grew up in the church world. I grew up actually here in the Bible Belt. And so when I heard about people fasting, it was not the people I went to church with. Our church never used the word that I can remember. We never fasted. In our home, we never fasted. However, I had many Catholic friends who fasted, 
And I knew from school and history that other religions fasted. So I just came to believe that, that, that fasting wasn't what Christians did today. It's what everyone else did or certain denominations like the Catholics or whatever, that that's what they did. But for the rest of us, no. Well, unfortunately, when I got old enough to read the Bible, I found out we were wrong. So here you go. Matthew 6 says, Jesus is teaching, and he starts it with these powerful words, when you fast. When you fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was, was arguably the most important, definitely the best recorded teaching that we have from Jesus, and probably the most uh, applicable to answering what's relevant for our lives today. Because what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount is he came and said, hey, up until today, for thousands of years, you thought this is how you should live to honor God, but I'm here to redefine that. That's what the Sermon on the Mount was. And every other thing in the Sermon on the Mount, we would all sit here today and agree this applies today. So why would this one passage about fasting be any different? It's clear Jesus has given instructions for people on how to fast. And then we've got a second reason, and that is that people came to Jesus and said, hey, Hey, you and your disciples do not fast. Why do they not fast? And Jesus' answer was, look, they're with me, and they're not going to fast right now. But when I'm gone, they will fast. And so the last time I checked, Jesus is still gone. He's at the right hand of the Father. You and I are still his disciples, and he has given us instructions on how to fast and said that we would. So fasting is for modern-day followers of Jesus. So that brings up a couple questions. Uh, one, should I keep my fast a secret? And second, does God respond to my fast? You know, it is funny because of this passage. Some of us take things so literally sometimes. Uh, I've watched people during the week of prayer and fasting when it's probably kind of well known we're all doing this, right? And we've got signs all over. I usually preach on it every, every Sunday beforehand that people will pretend they're not fasting because they're afraid to say they are because they think they're violating Scripture that says keep it secret. Okay, that's not what this passage means. Not at all. What Jesus is doing here is he's actually not dealing with their fasting at all. He's dealing with their pride because they are religious. They think they are special because they look like they're fasting and they're like, oh, woe is me. I can barely walk because I've been fasting longer than you, brother. You know, <laughs> that's... And so they're trying to, to get people to think they're like, oh, whoa, man, you're just better than me. Look at you fast. And Jesus is rebuking their pride, saying, keep your fast between you and God. You don't need to show it to the world and show off. You don't need to flaunt it. But that doesn't mean that you can't tell people that need to know. There are some people who need to know you're fasting, like your spouse. Like if somebody is planning on taking you on a date night this week and you have no intention of eating, a discussion beforehand is going to make that date night go way better. If your wife plans on cooking a seven-course meal and you have no intent to eat it, if, on the other hand, you are the one who usually cooks and you have no plan to cook because you're fasting, tell your kids they need to know how to open a Chef Boyardee can before the week begins. <laughs> Whatever the story is, it is okay to tell your kids, to tell your spouse. It's okay to even tell a coworker 
not showing off, but if a coworker happens to say, hey, would you go to lunch with us? You don't have to go, uh, uh, no, brother, I'm not hungry today. No, none of that weird stuff. You can actually just say, hey, actually, no, I'm fasting this week. And if they ask more, then you can tell them why. But if they don't, then you can drop it at that point. It's a great way to, to share what Jesus is doing in your life with the rest of the world. So what's the goal or the point of fasting? Yeah, this is a great question because so often we just get into something we don't know what we're really after. So uh, I've taught on fasting a lot because we do this twice a year. And so I've kind of landed on some things that I think help us. And so here's an answer that I give all the time. There are three goals or three points or three reasons that we should be fasting. You should be doing one of these, if not two of them, if not all three of them. The first one is that you need, we need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need him to deliver us from some circumstances, to give us a breakthrough. Uh, maybe there's a marriage issue. Maybe there's another broken relationship. Maybe your finances are not good. Maybe there's a medical thing that the doctors don't have an answer for. And so you are fasting for a move of God in your life. We see this very commonly in Scripture. Another one that we see is, a, is wanting more of God where you're simply saying, man, God, right now I know you're here, but it feels like you are over there. I'm, I've got all these things in my life that are distracting me and they are consuming me. And, and right now, there's, I just don't feel like there's any space for you. So I want more of you. And then the third one is a realignment. It's a realignment. You see, we're made in parts. God created us in parts. And so we've got a body, right? Everybody's got a body? Good. Uh, and, and that's that thing that tells us constantly, like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. You didn't have your coffee yet. You better have your coffee or I'm going to stop functioning. You know, that kind of thing. Where's my sugar? I expect my sugar. All these things. And our body is incredibly loud. It is very stubborn. Uh, it, it, it wants to be in charge, right? Come on. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, and, and so then there's this other part of us called our soul. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That means what we think, what we want, and what we feel. So the only time that our stubborn, loud body is not in charge is when our feelings and our wants and our will, our thoughts, I mean, when all of that gets involved, there's like this incredible battle of, I'm going to do this now. No, you're not going to do this now. I'm going to sleep now. No, I'm going to stay up. No, I'm going to eat. No, I'm not going to eat. Ah, you know, you feel like you need medication because you're like, Woo, something's going on in my head here. And neither of those do a very good job at yielding to the Spirit of God. And so what we need to do is to realign the natural, which is our body and our soul, with the spiritual. They need to learn their rightful place at the back of the line. You guys ever stood in a really long line for a really long time and somebody tries to cut and you just want to go up and smack them? But you remember Jesus may not do that, but, well, maybe Jesus didn't have this happen to him and you're thinking, I don't know. Okay, this is what it's like. The body and the soul are cutting in line in front of the Holy Spirit, and it's time for them to get back where they belong. Our lives need to be driven by the Spirit, not the body, and not the soul. So we like to think about it this way. Fasting is the art of saying no to our body and our soul for the sake of the Spirit. And that's what we're really after. So that realignment is about self-control. That's what we really need. And so here's a, to help us with self-control. Proverbs 25 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And so uh, we've got a little phrase we use around here. Several years ago, I was writing a message on fasting. I felt like God gave me this, and we just keep using it because it's good. 
Some of you are writing this down. You're going to want to put this on your fridge. Some of you are not writing this down, and you should, because you're still going to want to put this on your fridge this week. And it is this. Our physical world is not our home. Our physical desires are not most important, and our physical bodies are not our God. That is what fasting reminds us of. I'm going to say that again. Fasting reminds us our physical world is not our home. Our physical desires are not most important, and our physical body is not our God. And so fasting gives us a realignment of those issues. It's great. So when people ask, how do I explain fasting to my friends and to my children and things like that? Uh, preferably without being weird. Uh, do your best to answer this in a way they may actually want to be part of what you're doing. And so, you know, you really only have to do two things, and I've already given you both answers. The first one is just remind them that Jesus said people who believe in him would fast. Just say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus actually said his followers would fast, and I believe in Jesus. And then you tell them what you're after. Is it a move of God, more of God, or a realignment? And you say, so I'm actually fasting this week because my wife has been facing an illness, and we can't find an answer. And so I'm, we're really praying for a move of God in our lives. And you'd be surprised how many of your non-believing, non-Christian friends would go, you think God still does miracles? Because, man, I could use that. Could you tell me more? While, while you think you should keep this as something you shouldn't say because it'll freak your friends out, many times it's actually going to draw your friends into wanting to know more about uh, Jesus. So what should I fast? Okay, so we are, have already answered kind of what you can fast in the what answer. So I'm going to answer this one more in the why. When you think about what should you fast, I want you to think about why you would fast something. And I'm going to give you three words that will really help kind of clarify. Things that dominate, things that consume, or things that distract. When you look at your life, find out what is dominating you, what you feel like it has more power than you, what consumes you, just you're in love with it. Just flat out, you would rather do that than anything else, especially seek God. And then the third one, what distracts you? What keeps you from seeking God? You may have every intention to get up early and pray, but then you go home, you watch TV, you just need a little moment to veg. Come on, everybody, anybody witness with me here? Yeah, just a little moment to veg. You put on your favorite show. And next thing you know, 2 a.m. in the morning, you have binge watched a half a season. <laughs> But now it's 2 a.m. and you are not getting up at 5 to pray and read. We just found what distracts. On the other hand, you may binge watch half a season every single night. We know what consumes. You may have some internet issues. We know what dominates. You just refuse to touch a computer at all for a week, whatever it takes. So, uh, and, and that's quite often food in that area as well. So there you go. So did Jesus fast? And if so, did he get hungry? Um, and why would the Son of God need to fast? Let's go to the Bible. Love going to the Bible when it answers questions for us. Matthew 4 says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So, yes, he fasted. Yes, he was hungry. Next question of why does the Son of God need to fast? Well, we need to remember this. Jesus was fully God, and Jesus was fully man. And everything that Jesus did he did to model for us because he knew that we would still be asking the question 2,000 years later, hey, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus do this? Well, if Jesus did it, I'm going to do it. But if Jesus didn't do it, I'm not going to do it. And so Jesus was modeling for us how to get away from everything 
So he goes out into the wilderness to get away from certain things that would distract him or whatever. Um, fortunately for Jesus, we're pretty sure nothing dominated him, but definitely distracted. And he said, oh, let me get away from this, and I'm going to go and just focus on the Father and what he's about to call me to do. Because this was at the beginning of his public ministry. This is when Jesus was getting ready to go and be the Jesus we know for uh, the time of his ministry on earth. And he was, he was going to say, God, I, I've got to get something from you, Father, if we're going to go and do this. So why is food the normal way to fast? Great question again. Uh, scripture, Job 23. Here's what Job said that's a great example for all of us. He said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. And that really is where we should be. We should treasure what God has for us more than our food. But uh, honestly, there are just two reasons, two very simple reasons why we typically are fasting food during a fast. Now, the first reason, it is absolutely hands down the most common biblical example. And where do you go for anything? The Bible. That's where we want to go. Uh, matter of fact, it's almost the only biblical example. There's a very short list of what they fasted. Food was way, way at the top of it. And the second reason is because there is nothing else that has as strong a hold on us as food and will constantly remind us of, his, of its absence as much as food. So again, you can fast TV and you can fast social media and you can fast uh, different things in your life that meet those other things we just talked about. Uh, but let's say you're fasting TV and that's two hours in the evening. And maybe you get really busy, you're working really hard, you spend all day long at your job, you're not thinking about your TV show, and then you stop by somebody's house and you help them move a couch or something, you get home, it's bedtime, you didn't even notice that you missed your two hours of TV. It is easy to give up something that only takes a little piece of your life, and then you don't actually think about God, which is missing the point. But if you fast food... Even if you get busy with work, you're going to get reminded you haven't eaten. As a matter of fact, after a couple of days of this, you may get reminded in the middle of the night. You may wake up discovering you haven't eaten. There is nothing that is going to remind us as regularly that we're supposed to be focusing on God and seeking Him as when there is an absence of food physically. So, Is fasting just about giving something up or removing something from my diet? Man, this is a fantastic question because so many people misunderstand this. The minute that we say fasting, their first thought is, what am I giving up? And the, the answer to this question is fasting is actually not much at all about giving something up. It's not. We, we hear people all the time say, this is what I'm giving up for Lent. That's a pretty good example. Maybe you've heard your friends talk about what they're giving up for Lent. And, and, and it becomes about what, what I'm not going to do. Fasting is not about what you're giving up. It's about what you are getting Again, we want more of God, we want a move of God, we want a realignment. The point of fasting is not to be hungry. So it's not about what you give up. We do give things up that distract and consume and dominate so that we create a void and recognize that there's more room for God in our lives, right? So when we remove something, it is to put our attention on God where that place used to be. But the point is not to give something up. And people do this all the time. They're like, man, I'm giving up sodas and sugar and chocolate and coffee for fasting. And they're just miserable the whole week. They're grumpy. They can't wait for it to be over. And as soon as it's over, they're right back to normal life. And they gave up plenty, but they got nothing. It's not about giving up. It's about what you get. Now, 
we do have to give in order to make room to recognize our need for God. I love this one. If I'm honest, I don't look forward to fasting. I don't enjoy it, and sometimes I dread the idea. Is that normal? <laughs> oh, that is very normal. Come on, anybody with me who wants to be honest in the room right now? Like, week of prayer and fasting again? Oh, really? I wish that had told me we would have gone out for cheeseburgers last night. Oh. I have to be honest. I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, there are many times that we've gotten ready to do our week of prayer and fasting, and I've thought, oh, week of prayer and fasting again. And I'm the pastor. But as I think about what's going on, why do we dread it? And so I've kind of had to realign myself already just to get ready for this week. I'm looking forward to this week. I'm excited about this week, largely because I had to work through with this this question. So here's what's going on if you dread it. Don't beat yourself up. Don't hate yourself. You're human. You didn't know that. And all that means is that your human nature is rising up. And the natural side of you is naturally focused. And so that's what's happening, and we dread it. So the more we dread fasting actually just shows us the more we need fasting because the natural is saying, I would rather have this than the spiritual. And so here's another phrase for those of you who are writing things down to put on your fridge. This will be good for you. When we are not looking forward to fasting, what it simply means is this. It means we regret the absence of a physical thing more than we desire the addition of a spiritual thing. Ooh, put that on your fridge this week. We regret the absence of a physical thing more than we desire the addition of a spiritual thing. If I could be blunt, it means we would rather have French fries than God. Now, I'm human too, and I've also dreaded it, so I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying we just need to recognize it and just go, that's why I'm fasting. I'm fasting because I hate it. And the only way to realign my love with natural things more than spiritual things is to kick natural things to the curb and remind them where they belong. You will not get that realignment any other way. Don't feel bad that you dread it. Just do it and defeat the dreading of it. It really is the only way around it. So when I fast, should I have a focus to my fast? Yes. Okay. So, no, in all seriousness, look, if you do not have a focus for your fast, you have turned it into a dead religious ritual. You're just doing something to be doing it. You're just hungry. And I'm not even sure God's going to meet you because you haven't even talked to him about what you're after. And I'm not going to say he won't, but I'm just saying that that's, that's definitely questionable. The focus for your fast should be what we just talked about. You either need more of God, you need a move of God, or you need to realign the natural things with the spiritual. If you don't know what you're after, then all you are doing is going hungry. So yes, you got to have a focus to your fast. Otherwise, it's just religious ritual. So how long should a fast be, and am I sinning if I break a fast early? Great question. A fast should be as long as you feel God telling you. You should always talk to God about a fast. Now, there are lots of biblical examples where leadership will call a fast for a group of people, like a nation, or like a spiritual family, like an immediate family or so forth or whatever. So a a father and mother may call a fast for a family if they're dealing with something. Uh, And so we as a church call a fast twice a year and they're each 
for a week. But since we start on Monday and celebrate after lunch on Sunday or at lunch, it's really only six and a half days, so you should be thankful. And, and uh, so we, we kind of call that, but you still can talk to God and, and say, well, you know, I'm going to do three days and, and that's it, or I'm going to do three days of this and two days of that or whatever. So you've got to talk to God. As far as are you sinning if you quit early, um, the answer to that is no. But it's like going on a trip. You buy a ticket and you get on a train. And if you get off early, you may not end up where you wanted to. That's the simple truth of ending a fast early. So uh, I do want to touch on ending a fast early. If you do it intentionally, you just end up in the wrong place. And if you do it accidentally, uh, uh, please don't freak out. Okay, so the first time I, I, I fasted was with this church in college, and, and they did this all the time, and I thought they were weird. It was my first exposure to fasting. And my youth, the youth pastor was my mentor, and so uh, we actually were roommates. And without realizing it, I'm just kind of doing things, and there was a, a candy dish, and it had M&Ms, so you didn't even have to take time to unwrap them. And so I'm just, you know, about three days into this thing or something, two or three days in, and I'm just moving around and pick up an M&M and pop it in my mouth. And he looks at me like, you just broke your fast. It's over. I'm like, ah. I mean, I'm like, lightning bolts, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a, and he said, I'm like, so what do I do now? He's like, well, just, you know, never mind now. Just give up. I mean, you broke your fast. I'm like, whoa, seriously? All right. So let me give you guys better advice than I got. If you accidentally break your fast, which is easy, by the way. I mean, have you ever noticed what we're like when we're first born? We put everything in our mouths, like shoes and crayons. And if you get older, we still put things in our mouths all the time. You will be shocked if you try to go seven days without eating how much you put food in your mouth without even knowing it. Especially people who cook, you're tasting, you're you know, checking things out, you're walking by candy dishes, you need a mint, whatever. We're not even thinking So it's very likely you will accidentally break your fast. So it's called grace. grace. Start over and keep going. I'm pretty sure if you have one M&M in seven days, you still fasted. Uh, It was, uh, that's still pretty good. Yeah, God might still show up. Who knows? (laughs) Why do I need to be fasting for something I'm already praying for? Why fast and pray? Well, once again, let's just go back to Scripture. Jesus was talking about his disciples. His disciples at one point were in a situation of spiritual warfare. They were in this little battle, and uh, actually they were trying to cast out demons. And Jesus came to them when they were unsuccessful and said this, Matthew 17, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. And so here is the best answer I can give you. There is not one scripture that says this is why you fast when you pray and pray or whatever. But what we can do is speculate based on what happens in Scripture every time someone is praying and fasting. And what happens in Scripture every time someone is praying and fasting is that it adds power to their prayers, very simply. It adds power to their prayer. It's a spiritual power. And if you ask me where that comes from, I think it comes from this. It shows God something. So here's my example. If I'm driving down the road and I'm praying and saying, oh, God, bless me and my wife, I can do that. But if on the other hand, I decide not to eat for three days and every meal time I get on my knees for 30 minutes and go, God, please bless me and my wife. That's different. There is a demonstration of desperation. Did y'all catch that? There is a demonstration of desperation that adds power to that prayer. 
Because all throughout Scripture, God is asking his people, would you demonstrate that you are desperate for me? I want to show up in your life. I need to see a demonstration of your desperation. And so I think that when we add fasting to prayer, that we have simply added a spiritual power because of a demonstration of desperation. So here's where we are today. Every one of us, you, you need to make a decision. Do you need more of God? Do you need a move of God? Do you need a realignment of the body, soul, and the spirit? If you didn't say yes to the last question, you are preaching next week. But if you said yes to any of those questions, then I want to encourage you to seize this opportunity. And this week, let's fast, let's pray, let's do this as individuals, let's come together as a family, and let's tell God what we need him to do in our lives. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to close by praying over you. I had written a prayer in my journal that I was praying over you for this week of prayer and fasting, and uh, it's not something I normally do, but I thought it'd be a good way to end by just praying it over you here publicly right now. If that's okay with you guys, would you let me do that? So let's pray. Father God, who you are and what you do is greater than any physical thing we could set aside. So I pray that you would inspire us, even compel us to seek you. I pray that we would be excited for what you, the one true living God, the creator God of the universe can and will do in our lives. We admit we are hungry for you. We are desperate for you. And we are ready to demonstrate that. So God, we ask you, come and move in mighty ways this week. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at Grace Life Church. Mm-hmm.